we came into a lot of wealth and that could have made me a very different person. You come into this period of wealth, you're living the high life and then one day everything stopped. We lost it all and when I say all, it was like you're rich and now you're poor. When I was 21, dad left. We were in a four bedroom and we had to literally move to like a one. Mom slept on the floor, my brother slept on the couch, another brother on the floor, I was in the bed, and I started my YouTube career then. Hey guys. Once I shut the camera, I used to cry. I used to get so mad, I used to be like, why am I here? And then I touched 100K on YouTube in that one bedroom apartment. I am making content every day till I touch 100K, and I'm making this happen, because it was the rage that got me. It was like, I'm gonna make sure that I'm never here again with my family. I'm gonna get them out of this rut and we're never staying in this one bedroom ever again. It's just like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. And I didn't take the news really how you're supposed to. Social media skews everything. The influencers I follow, I see everyone, they're like happy, we're pregnant, we're crying. It was not the same for me. I thought I was supposed to be happy. I thought I was supposed to be this, oh my God, and it wasn't. And that's okay. So recently you just announced you were splitting yeah. from your husband yeah. while having your baby. Yeah, that was not in the plans for me. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast onto Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Malvika, Hi. welcome to Mumbai's Millennial Mind. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy we've connected. I, know. I feel like we've just got along straight away, right? Yes, we did. So for people who don't know who you are, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh my God, where do I begin? <laughs> this is the hardest question I ask people. <laughs> yeah, everybody, like, tell me about yourself is really deep. Mm. Like, especially after all the self-work I've been doing, I'm like, where should I begin? <laughs> but just generically to introduce to everyone, um, I am actually a content creator and I have my own company now. I just started it last year. Um, so that's new, which we'll talk about more. But um, I'm just uh, easygoing, fun-loving, um, extremely loyal. Mm -hmm. um, girl um, and I just I love myself a lot and it takes a lot for a woman to say that but I think I've come a long way to be able to say that very openly and not feel weird about it um, so yeah I'm someone who puts herself first um, takes care of herself and wants everyone around me to be happy I love making people laugh um, and I love the camera 
<laughs> I love the camera. I actually tattooed it on my hand. And that's basically been my life growing up, right? I've always wanted to be in front of the camera. Really? Yeah. Since when? Since I can remember. Since I was a little kid, um, I knew I wanted to be a performer. I wanted to do something in front of the camera. It could be anything. And somehow I landed up here. And I'm always in front of the camera because, um, of course, I create content on my own. And um, I can just pick up the camera, talk to it for hours, and just feel at home. And a lot mm. of people can't. And I'm just like, I'm so glad this is my job. No way. <laughs> so talk to me about your childhood. So when did, what did you study? OK, so uh, regular schooling, I moved a lot. I was, I was born in Dubai. OK. Yeah, and then I moved to the south of India, which is Mangalore, which is where my mom is. So I'm part South Indian, part Sindhi. Okay. Um, stayed there for a year, picked up the language. And then I came to Mumbai, so stayed here, like basically you can say most of my growing up years. Okay. And um, it's been interesting. I've, I've been in an all-girls school, always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. But not university. No. Yeah. All-girls school till 10th grade. And then after that, I did my college here as well. And I did mass media with advertising. Wow. But didn't pursue any of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of links in mass media, no? A little bit? A little bit, I guess. Not yeah, really. I never really went to college a lot. I started working, I started modeling really soon in college. Okay. So I never really attended any classes. I was always focused on um, going for my pageantry. I did a lot of pageantry in the beginning and then, because my mom was a pageant winner herself. So like I, I was like, I need to be a queen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just got onto that very early on. Okay. And you enjoyed it or no? What made you kind of move into the content creation side? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, but there was a lot of rejection with pageantry. It's a lot of judgment, I'll be honest. No one Mm -hmm. talks about it. But pageantry, um, the panelists, they're always men, to be honest with you. They're like all men Mm -hmm. and you find just like one woman and you're constantly judged. I realized that growing up, like um, especially for auditions, you have to always be in a bikini, why is that necessary? Now when I think back on it, um, I used to think that was glamorous, great, I'm showing my body, this and that, I need to be the best. But now when I look back, now I have some wisdom and I'm just like, why did I put myself through that? Why do girls do that? Mm. Because it's very judgmental. They just check you up and down and left and right. They don't even ask you a lot of questions. Um, they'll just ask you to introduce yourself and is that what we're valued at? Like that's mm. it? You know, and then I always got rejected. Um, And then I went into auditioning for like movies or advertisements. Again, got rejected. I think it was just not the right place at that time for me. Right. So I was like, I need to make some money because I was getting older. And I was like, this is bad income. So somehow, (laughs) somehow I won one pageant, which was an all women's panel. Amazing. It was so empowering and so I felt so nice everyone was a woman and there was no like bikini stuff they were just like it was all sizes you were just allowed to speak your mind Mm -hmm. and I was like this is my spot I can be myself and I won it okay Um, and that opened doors for runway for me so I did a lot of runway for a lot of brands um, when I was in college so I was known as like the model girl That's so fun. Did a lot of runway shows for two years, but again, not the best income when you're just starting out. Yeah, so that's why. I did modeling when I was younger, but I feel that there was a lot of judgment when I did it. 
And in the UK, I think there is, it's so funny when I'm here because yeah. here everyone's like, everyone's so modern. And in the UK, everyone's like, but you are modern, but you're so traditional. It's, yeah. it's a weird one. I, I still haven't figured it out. You're mm. my second guest today and kind of like <laughs> the only girl I've had. So yeah. I'm figuring it out as I speak to everyone. But one of the things I wanted to ask you was, do your parents ever, well, your mom was in modeling, right? Yeah. But did your parents ever say like, what will your in-laws think? Or what will your husband mm -hmm. think? Because when I was modeling, my right. dad was like, what will your in-laws say? Gotcha. What will your husband say? And I was 17, 18, 20. You know, I, I was young. I wasn't exactly, yeah. you know, marriage age. Yeah. But it was a question that was always asked of if you play, and I remember I did this ad for Qatar, mm -hmm. and I was a mum. Okay. I was 24 at the time. Okay. And I was dressed like a mum, yes. and I had a really cute looking dad, and we had really cute kids. Yes. And it was for Qatar. Like, it was a big ad, and my yeah. dad was like, but people may think they're your kids. Okay. I was like, I'm, I'm, 20, I'm 24. How is anyone going to think they're my kids? Yeah. <laughs> and I almost didn't share it with so many people because there was a lot of shame. Yeah. And so I was wondering, was that the same experience for you? Um, not really, because I think my mom, like, was, she went through that at, like, a very early age as well. And she started modeling at 18. And, mm. you know, she developed really soon as a woman. She had to grow up. And um, she totally understood where my want for being um, under the popular industry came from. It, li mm. it literally came from her. So I think my parents were really supportive. I think they were just like, whatever you want to do over here. They were not very um, strict academically. They, they were just like, finish your studies and like, whatever you want to do, we, we got you. So wow. I was like hell bent on like making this my career. Um, and I did for two years. So weirdly enough, that was not a concern. Like I think marriage and like, none of that was like a problem for my parents. Like they wow. didn't ever push for kids. They didn't ever push for marriage. So I think that is the kind of plus point of having like, um, I think a mom also worked really early on in her, you know, growing up mm. years. I think she gets that independence and she understands what it takes to be on the runway, but also like marry and have a family and, yeah, so I think she understood that bit. And you can have both. We're gonna we're gonna come yes. on to that in a minute. So okay, you kind of what I'm hearing from you is you're just really confident. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. you, I've never heard anyone say I love myself. Yeah. I've never heard anyone own the fact that they love being in front of a camera. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? Were you always like that? Yes. So I think again. Now, when I think back on a lot of my memories as a child, and I took a lot of tests and stuff, they kind of tell you how like traumatized you are as a kid and you don't realize it. Mm -hmm. You go through like a, an online trauma test and it's, it's verified. Um, I realized that I'm, I'm very like low on the trauma scale when it comes to my childhood. So I think I was very, very loved by my mother. Mm. Um, I think she regulated me really well, even though she had to work, she did leave me, but then, my grandmother regulated me. So I think it comes from that when I think of it now. Yes. You don't pay attention to that a lot growing up. But I think when you're crying, when you're angry, when you're hungry, when your, um, your authoritative figures come and like regulate you, it's an instant comfort. And yeah. that's what translates as an, as an adult growing up. And now when I think back on it, I was like, I was only given that, right? And honestly, growing up, my mom always praised how I looked you know, she always told me I was beautiful. She always told me, you can make it in the industry. You can do it. You're so beautiful. My dad was like, you're going to be an actor. And, you know, no you look so way. beautiful and your hair is so good. And so I always got like compliments. I was never shamed for the way I looked. I was really skinny, Shivani. I was like really skinny. Okay. Like you could really? see my bones. I was a very thin kid growing up. So 
it was not like I was like well endowed or nothing. Skinny, not like a flat board. I used to get teased a lot for being too skinny. Really? Um, and I, I used to see myself on video and be like, I'm too thin, I'm too thin. Mm. And it's very difficult for me to put on weight growing up. But to be in this industry, um, you gotta like go to the gym, you gotta put on weight. Never happened to me, but that never came through from my parents, it never did. So That's I think amazing. that instills like confidence and like, hey, you know what? If the two most important people in my life think I look good, maybe I look good. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but it's interesting because some people would then think, you know, the opposite of like, my kids are gonna be arrogant if I tell them all these yeah. amazing, it's a weird balance. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I think it's also like they were not too cocky about it. And it's weird because I think my mom also always taught me humility. Like she always taught me like no matter what, like try and like stick to your roots, try and stick to your mm -hmm. roots. Don't like be prideful about that. So I was never proud of um, even the latter half of my life, which we can talk about where we were really well to do. And we, we came into a lot of wealth and that could have made me a very different person. Like. Um, what, how, how, how? Tell me. I know. It's a story to tell, girl. Like, this is wow. This is going to be great. <laughs> <We're here. laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think around um, 18, 19, growing up, I think for a period of like seven, eight years, my dad uh, did really well in business. And mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I, I was living in my own bubble, babe. Like, I feel like I just don't remember a time. I think they shielded us from the bad parts. You know, and when we came into a lot of wealth, I just thought it was like a part of me and this is just life. I think everyone's just wealthy. I was just <laughs> living in this bubble. Like my pocket money was, you don't want to hear it. I'll sound like a brat, but like a lot. But how did that, were you, were you born in a well-to-do no, family? No. I, no, we were really poor. So really, really, really poor. And then dad just like started his own business in Mumbai. And of course he had a lot of bad habits. Um, yeah, he had a lot of bad habits. And I think that sort of translated into really quick growth of money. We came to a lot of wealth and okay. I didn't really understand it at that point. Did well for eight years. Um, it could have taken me a different path because I was literally handed everything I asked for. The latest iPhone, we had like the best of the best cars, we had like Audis, BMs, five cars standing below the building. We flew first class every holiday, five of us, first class tickets, stayed in like Vegas penthouses. Like, you know, that part of my life growing up, it can really change who you are because yeah. that's the formative years of your life. And it really didn't. It really didn't. I'm still the same girl that I was. I don't know how it didn't affect me. I could have been a really spoiled brat and been like, money's everything. Mm -hmm. It just taught me the value of money when we lost it all. We lost it all. And when I say all, you can say a drop, not even slowly. It was like, you're rich and now you're poor. And that happened when I was like 21. So you became into wealth when you were 17, 18? Yeah, you could say even earlier than that. It was a okay. good period of like seven to eight years. Oh my yeah. gosh. Mm. So when you're about 14, 13, 14, yes. Yes. you come into this period of wealth, you're living the high life, so and then one day everything stopped. Everything dropped. And How? Yeah, dad just lost everything. Dad lost everything. The business went of shit. And it was really bad. And look, we didn't, like I said, I was in my bubble. We were always shielded, but not in the best way. Um, but I feel like my mom was also really like not put in the light of what was really happening behind the scenes. And it was very confusing for us as a family, like where are we going, what's gonna happen? Mm -hmm. 
And then it was so scary when that happened because then dad left. Okay, that's when my abandonment issue comes in place, right? When I was 21, dad left. Um, and how many siblings do you have? Two. Two. Both brothers. One is eight years younger than me and one is a year older than me. So, so the younger one must have really, really found that. gone through it. Yeah. yeah. He dropped out. Um, he didn't even get to complete his 10th grade because we didn't have the money to pay for his education. So he's actually you know, not even 10th pass. Um, but he made it and luckily he's super skilled. Um, so yeah, it was really painful growing up. But I didn't really understand it, Chivani. Like I was like really mad. Mm. At one point in my life, I was so mad. And I'm not a mad person. I'm like really chill. You know, I'm not good. It takes a lot for me to be angry. But those years, I cannot explain to you. It literally made me who I am today. Like, I don't think I'd be here if like that drop didn't happen. So like, walk me through it. You, you, one day your dad just leaves. Your leaves. money has gone. Where money are you living? Gone. Yes, exactly. Right. We were in a four bedroom and we had to literally move to like a one. Okay. It was like drastic. And we were just, how do we make the rent? Right. We moved to a three, couldn't make the rent, had to give that three away, move to a one. Mom slept on the floor. My brother slept on the couch, another brother on the floor. I was on the bed. It was, I cannot tell you. And I started my YouTube career then. Okay. And weirdly enough, we needed the money and YouTube doesn't pay you for a long time. Brands don't recognize you. <laughs> and this was like 2016, right? 2017, where they don't know me yet. And I'm still, I was like, there's something in content creation. Please give me some time. Like I, to your I, mom. To my brother. To your brother. So my brother and I were the only two earning members, right? Mom was like a stay-at-home mom. <clears throat> I don't know what she was going through. I can't even explain it. But I couldn't understand what was happening. I'm like, why are we here? We were in a four. We lost everything. Where is dad? Where is everything? No one explained anything to you? No. I got to know bits and pieces, but we got revealed over time what really happened. Mm. It doesn't matter. It just put me, put us in such a weird spot when we were 21, 22, having to make rent at 22 mm. in Mumbai city, which is like New York. It's yes. really expensive. But we did it, man. Those tough times, I remember telling my brother, please give me some time. I promise you there's something in content creation. Give me some time. And weirdly enough, I got a lot of judgment um, saying that, I don't know, from like family people, like you should work. Yes, like get a real job. Get a real job because it'll help you for a bit and mm. then come back to content creation, which made sense. I should have done that. <laughs> and I did. Okay. For two days. I went to a corporate job for two days and I was like, this is not me. Like, it wow. does not feel authentic. I need to be in front of the camera. I need to create. You have to understand that I will be depressed if I come to a nine to five and I earn it the regular way. Give me time. And my older brother, like I thank him because he gave me that time when he was struggling to make rent. He's like, do what you have to do. I got this. So what did you want to create content on? Because back then, I don't know what, for me right now, I've seen podcasts. I'm like, I love to interview people. There's my blueprint. Yes. What was your blueprint? Beauty. Okay. Makeup. 
right so i just fell in love with beauty i used to watch so much beauty content and for me it's educational i just don't why? love glamming i will tell you why you need to wear a certain amount of makeup where you need to contour i love education right so i used to learn it all from the youtubers in the west yes. and i used to pick it up and i used to come teach it on my channel and they used to be like what baking what's baking <laughs> and what is this what is that and i used to teach a lot and i loved the process of teaching of how to glam and i was like beauty is my niche it's all i got and this was all i showed for years right okay and i remember in my one bedroom i had one window the size of a bathroom window right really cracked up old crusty window where the sun would just come down and i had one ring light which was all i could afford and i had to just prop my iphone and no space to move i had books if you look behind the camera you would not imagine what you were seeing because yeah. i was seeing it no place to move and i literally once i shut the camera i used to cry i used to get so mad i used to be like why am i here and then i touched 100k on youtube in that one bedroom apartment how quickly it took me i would say 2 3 years Wow. It took a long time to touch 100,000 but I was in that one bedroom and I was like I am making content every day till I touch 100k and I'm making this happen because it was the rage that got me. It didn't make me mad in the sense that forget it like I don't care. It was like I'm going to make sure that I'm never here again with my family. I'm going to get them out of this rut and we're never staying in this one bedroom ever again. Like that was the anger. My god. So, we didn't have water and electricity for 6 months and I used to film how with the window. Yeah. I was like I'm doing this because I never want to see this period in my life. Like I was done. So yeah, when did you start making money because I'm sure to 100k you start making money after 1000, 10000, right? Yeah, yeah. So I used like to get like 2 pounds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So I used to get like 5000 rupees for like one post and 10000 rupees. For me that was like a lot. I was like okay cool like let me start collecting this. Yeah. And I used to pick up like everything I possibly could but still stay authentic to the brands I don't want to do. And that's what people don't get. They're like you needed the money just do the Mm. I like I just if I don't like the brand I will not pick it up even if I need the money. And I think that's what created my loyal family that I have today in the community because they can blindly trust me yes. on what I tell them to because I was like I will never put that in front of anyone first my audience then the brands right I've always kept that. So I think that's what created my like 8 year journey and a loyal oh community gosh. and that's we came out of it after 2 years after 2 years. Mhm. So talk me through that. You're you're creating this content, but there must have been days where you're like you said you'd cry after the camera, but you're creating one video a day? Yeah, uh, no, more than one video a day. I would okay. just sit, that that's that's my happy place even today. Like I'm going through so much pain which we'll talk about, but mm. content creation takes me away. It's like how books take you away, movies take you away. My job If I didn't have the camera and makeup and content creation, I don't know where I'd be because it takes me away for a bit and I get to edit. Editing is therapeutic for me. I love sitting in 5 hours perfecting my video. Yeah. And I think that's what got me through. So I used to make 2-3 videos a day. And it's interesting you say talking authentically because you're sharing so mm-hmm. much. I can see you're completely authentic and yeah. open book. Love oh. it. <laughs> But in front of the camera, mhm. Sometimes when I'm going through something I find it difficult. Yeah. Right? Because and my cousin told me this the other day because before I came to Mumbai I had some a lot of stuff going on at home. Yeah. 
but I'm the only person in my team at the moment. I have one editor who's working with me. I don't have a PA or someone organizing, so I have to be in front of the camera and perform. And I said, sometimes I feel like, am I telling the truth? And he said, if you're a teacher in a school and you're going through a divorce, are you gonna sit there crying or are you gonna teach your students? Right. And I was like, I never thought about it like that. He was like, your purpose and your duty is to talk around these podcasts, is to perform when you're speaking. And so if you're going to a speaker event, they're not looking for Shivani who's feeling upset today. They're looking for Shivani who's gonna inspire and motivate me. So which one are you gonna be? And so when you say you escape from that, do you ever feel like that contrast of, should I tell everyone what I'm going Mm. through or do I just put on a different mode? No, so like that was therapeutic, right? Having to talk, even like when I'm speaking to you, I'm sensing healing, right? Because Mm. I'm literally venting to you. I'm telling you everything that made me who I am today. And that was therapeutic for me. I love to just talk to people and literally talk about anything under the sun. I don't feel shame. I don't feel, I pick up taboo topics that nobody wants to touch online. I'm like, I will talk about everything (laughs) under the sun and tell you that this is not okay. And Mm. I'm okay getting like backlash for that because that is why we're given the platform, right? Right. So that and also makeup saved me. It saves me every time and people think it's silly, but when I sit and do a tutorial, when I'm applying that skincare, that foundation and explaining, I'm going into this mode of teaching. I'm going into this mode of like, I'm educating them, they're learning something, they're my babies, they're my students. And when I get that, um, validation back that hey thank you like I I learned how to do this because of you and this was so good I'm like that's my job well done and you know that sort of like really saves me yeah so you so you kept doing these videos you're editing them Mm -hmm. when did it all change when did you get out of that situation out of the tough one yeah again it took two years for my brother and I to scrape some change make the rent we lived alone for six months mom had to leave Um, she was trying to get get some job done poor thing at that age you know mm. but she was trying my younger brother was trying to get a job but he didn't have to do all this but then life just kicks you mm. and it makes you want to get up so he grew up so fast and we just we made it the day we had to move from the one bedroom to a two bedroom i cannot i still remember so vividly sitting on the bed with my mom my brothers in that two bedroom and being like we did it like it took two years but we can make rent for a two bedroom now and it felt like it's only gonna go up from here because i i vowed i'm never going back there and i'm not so i was like this is going to be a consistent journey and we're going to make it so it took two years and a lot of pain it felt like Mm. an eternity of pain you I'm feeling like emotional when I'm listening oh, to you. Same, I feel the same. Every time I talk about it, I'm like, how did we, do, how did we get the courage to do it? It's like mm. when you hit rock bottom, you have no choice but to make it work. Yeah. It does not matter what's around you. You just have to turn that rage into a positive light. It can take you two ways. You can either go really down into a dark abyss, which it does, or you can pull yourself up and be like, I have to do whatever it takes to make this what I can, right? But I think what is really clear is that you have so many people in your family who really believe in your ability to trust yourself yes, I and think, trust your judgment. Yeah. And that's why I'm getting emotional because yeah. even in that situation, it's so easy to have stayed in your corporate job and just say, look, Malka, you need to do this. Like, it doesn't matter if it's not your passion. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. It doesn't matter if you don't feel passionate or you know, you don't feel happy every single day. Who cares? Just pay the bill. Yes. But your brother didn't say that. My your mom didn't mom. say that. And I think that is 
That is so amazing. That gave me my dream job today. Yeah. Like you, you just gave me a timeline. I think if parents just give their kids just some faith and trust, like go do what you have to do. Mm. I got your back. That's all we need. And trust me, is going to work. We need yeah. support. You cannot put your child into something that they don't feel is right for them. It's inauthentic. They grow up feeling a lot of resentment towards yes. you. Yes. As a I have so much to say as a parent. Oh my God, we're so damaged by parents, mm. and they don't realize it. But we have to just do the constant learning and teaching and healing and forgiving our parents for doing what they did. It's hard to forgive parents for what they did, you know. But they did the best they could with the information they had at that point. I just have to keep telling myself that, you know. Did you forgive your dad? <sighs> I don't think so. I think I keep saying that, but I'm working on it every day. Like I'm working mm -hmm. on it with my therapist. I was like, every time I feel like I've forgiven him, there's some resentment coming that comes up. up, and I'm like, that's not forgiveness. That's that's not forgiveness. It's something that, but I need to let go because I need to lift the weight off of me. I need the burden off me. I need to stop treating every man like my dad would be. You know, I had a lot of money, trust issues. Trust issues with money, trust issues with, hey, there's no free lunches. I still feel like if you want, if you want something for me, you're, you know, there's something behind this. You know, if you're giving me something, you are going to come back to take it back. Because dad always took, oh, right? Gosh. Always took from me. And my own biological father took from me, right? So now whenever there's like someone just giving to me, I'm like, what do you want? Yeah. What yeah. do you want? <laughs> Tell me now. I will like, and anyone gives me like, for example, uh, my boyfriend, husband back then, <laughs> used to like take me for trips. I couldn't afford it, right? But then I was like, you're paying for this trip. How do I pay you back? Um, but yes. now he never asked for it. Yeah. But it's in my house. Like, I owe you. I owe you. Yes. <laughs> you know? So like the loans, anything that I owe people or anyone's done for me, I feel like I need to give it back. And those are like trauma patterns. Mm. And, you don't, and it's really... Only you discover that when you do that inner healing, yes, right? Because yes. you think this is triggering me. Yes. And it wouldn't trigger somebody else. Nope. It seems like you recognize that your parents played such a big part in your life. Oh, yeah. Does that make you scared about being a mom yourself? I think, you know what, whenever someone asks me, like, are you scared about parenthood? Weirdly enough, I've done the healing work and I'm continuing. It's never like a stop journey, right? Mm. So the fact that I know what, I know what an unhealed mother looks like right for my mom i know what that feels like yeah so i did the work early and throughout my pregnancy no matter what i went through i kept the self-work going because i'm like i want to be the best i can be for me first yeah. and then the baby it's always going to be me first and then the baby again this can be controversial wow but it's going to be me first okay because i see that right all our moms they put everybody in front, whether it's your kid, your husband, they worship their husbands. They, oh my God, like, uh, what? <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> moms, like, I'm mad at moms for doing that. I feel like we put our men on pedestals and we don't get the same amount of validation and affection as a mother, you know? So I saw my mother, like, she always sacrificed, always put her kids first. And she ended up with an empty cup all the time. 
and and that becomes conditioning right you don't know mm. how to be anybody else but sacrificial all the time and so even true. today right and even today they're always you eat first then i will and i cannot change that in her i'm trying so much to be like you come first in your life when your cup is full you can give me some of that love right otherwise it's always a victimization attitude it's always mm-hmm. like i'm a victim i won't eat you eat first i won't do this you you don't be a victim so if i'm a healed mother and if my journey like is continued to self work i can give the best i can to my kid right so i'm excited actually for parenthood because i want to break the cycles i want to change trauma patterns i want to do the healing i want to put my kid into therapy as early as possible and i want to start that process because i know better right right and i have never heard that perspective before mm-hmm. ever 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 mm-hmm. has someone said it's me and then my kid yes. it's always my child is before me yep. and you're so right because even my mom she will bend over backwards oh. for me but she won't do it for herself and i get so annoyed with her she's like i really want to get you this and i'm like but you don't have it yourself and she's like yeah but it's different i'm like no i, I don't understand right but i think that's such an interesting perspective and yeah you're right quite a controversial one because a lot yep. of people always say you should your kid first like put the mask on your child first in yes. the, on the airplane yes. and then you but yes. you're right if you don't put it on you how are you going to put it on your exactly. kid so powerful so you know going into what i wanted to talk to you about today yes something you really struggled with that you opened up to me about was yes. prenatal depression yeah when did that kind of got start Yeah, it was uh, my first trimester. I feel like when I got pregnant, I feel like I couldn't really wrap my head around it because I was not prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought like it would happen, but it, you know, you never know when it happens. It's just like, oh my god, I'm pregnant. And I didn't take the news really how you're supposed to. Again, mm-hmm. social media skews everything. I see the influencers I follow. I see everyone they're like happy, we're pregnant, we're crying. It was not the same for me. I was feeling sad that I couldn't be what I'm supposed to be when I found out I'm pregnant. I thought I was supposed to be happy. I thought I was supposed to be this oh my god and it wasn't. And that's okay. Like you know, you're not supposed to feel guilt and I know that now. But back then in September I was really shaky. I was like I don't know and then my health it was so bad. my first trimester was so bad and i didn't know this because nobody i know told me right um early moms or my mom even of course they don't even remember it people i watch online i had zero idea that the first tri- trimester is so painful really oh my god god like you lose your okay you've i've lost myself like i can tell you i have lost the miles that i was and now i have to learn to love this new miles that has come into being a mom and i'm no longer that girl because it changed me like i was i used to sit on the couch not understanding why i'm on this couch so i used to type on google like um, first trimester feeling really sad want to cry can't do anything about it what is it mm-hmm. i googled that why why didn't i know about prenatal depression i read it and they said it's probably prenatal depression i was so indifferent shivani i didn't feel happy or sad i was blank i was like i was eating i was sitting i was crying and crying and crying 
it was unreal. I was like, I'm never getting out of this mess. The whole pregnancy is going to be like this. I had like dark thoughts. Oh my God, it changed me. And then I was going through a very, very difficult time with my relationship. It put me in a very bad position. I didn't enjoy my pregnancy. I can say that out loud without feeling shame because I know a lot of you don't enjoy it and it's mm. okay to say it. You're not supposed to feel happy all the time. You know, they always say as long as the baby and mom are healthy, it's okay. It's not okay. That's not the end goal. The end goal is making sure mama is happy, so baby is happy, and both of them are healthy eventually. Mm. No one checks in on the mother. No one. You're no so one. right. Is baby okay as long as baby's <laughs> fine? You drink. I was like, what about mama's mental health? What about me? Like, no one's checking in on, am I okay mentally? Do I need help? No one, if they've not been through pregnancy, it's very hard for people to empathize what a first trimester would look like. And it's different for every woman. I also think, not to be blunt here, but when you have, a, when you have the baby, everyone will ignore you. Because when we see my cousins, we're always... I actually didn't realize that I'd do this because they had a baby. Yeah. And we were all obsessed with her. She would come through, we would be like, Ava! And we would ignore my cousin, brother and the wife. And now everyone's more aware of it yeah. because, you know, you notice that you do that. Yeah. And so I think it's the excitement, but also it can make the mother feel so alone if they're already feeling neglected, rejected and ignored. Yeah. And I think that's such an interesting perspective. But how did that impact your relationship? Because that's oh my God. really tough to manage. It's really tough because I think both of us were not ready. You weren't, It wasn't a planned pregnancy? No, like okay. you know, plan, not planned. Yeah, but it wasn't like, want, yeah. You know, well, like... Oh, it's a surprise. It's a bit yeah. of a shock. So I think that, I think that was like, um, it put us into like a very different position. We had to take an accept really fast. I think everything was happening too fast. Mm -hmm. And even in our individual careers and individual, there was a lot happening, right? Yes. Um, I am literally putting my parents through their like divorce right now. So it's like a lot, right? It's my mom's divorce. It's my pregnancy. It's my prenatal depression. I'm moving out of my house. It's my separation. And all of this when I'm pregnant, right? And I'm just like, I can't control. Firstly, my body is going through so many changes. Not used to seeing myself like this. Yes. Mentally, it's unreal. The sensitivity level goes up so high. Um, and you feel isolated. You're mm. alone. Like no matter, you cannot accept support. For some reason, people say you have mom and you have friends. You have mom and you have friends. And I'm like, I get that. And I, I acknowledge it but it still feels lonely at the end of the day. Like you go to bed feeling isolated and I cannot explain that feeling to you because it feels just alone. It's like, do you think this is because of what you said? Like if someone supports you through this difficult time, you feel like you owe them? I just feel like I can do it all. Yeah, I feel like I don't, I don't, I don't You don't want them. anyone. And I think also I'm in a very I'm in a very fragile, broken state to accept help. I feel like mm -hmm. I need to process it yet. I'm not fully processed what's happened to me. And so I'm unable to accept your help. Um, weirdly enough, I, I sit through it. It's temporary. And when they go away, I fall back into, you know, and they say sadness is an addiction, right? They say like tragedy is an addiction. Sometimes you, you always want to go back to the familiar feeling of feeling sad. So the minute and I've sensed this, the minute I have like a, a burst of laughter or something and then they leave, I feel like, okay, now I can go back to being sad, you know, but mm. I don't have to, like, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to be okay for one night if you didn't cry. Yes. That's a good thing. 
don't think you have to cry every night because you're going through a separation or you're going through something hard. I have to teach myself all of this. So you're really authentic on your platform and yeah. I think I've noticed that from following you. And sometimes it's really difficult to share the really bad days. So recently you just announced you were splitting yeah. from your husband yeah. while having your baby. Were you nervous to share that? I think I was. Um, I had a I had a really good cry before that because I never ever thought I'd be here because mm -hmm. we've been childhood sweethearts so it's kind of like like difficult to take that step but I feel like um, we were so public and I feel like for any like public figure it's much more difficult to sort of share that part of your life or any like big part of your life but it eventually is going to come out you know and mm -hmm. I was feeling a little like I was feeling very closed off with my content. I couldn't um, create content openly. I knew there was this huge thing that is happening and I need to tell them in some way, shape or form because people were starting to notice because I share a lot of my life on social media and we've been very public as a couple for a while. Mm -hmm. So I think they're very invested in our story. So I think that was needed. I feel like I had to move on. You know, I had to say that to be able to create content for myself. I was feeling very stuck in my creativity uh, and so when I did weirdly enough the support was unreal like I cannot tell you I was shocked I was like why was I this nervous because they didn't ask there were a few people but then they were just like you know what we're here that's all we're here I think when people ask the nitty-gritty it doesn't matter mm -hmm. you know uh, you only the people that you want to share that with will know yeah but I think what's important is that support and that's how you know you have a great community right when they don't ask the details and that's how you know you have a good friend yeah when they're not like tell me what happened for the gossip it's more yeah. how can I help you literally like, what like, can I do yeah they're like can we be there for you and you must have thought this through that's why you took this step yeah. and I was like that is so mature thank you for understanding and no one's intruded so mm. It's been like, it's not that bad. I feel lighter, in fact. I feel Good. like um, I can now finally move on to like the next phase of my life because, again, I vlog my entire life on YouTube. I have a bigger platform on YouTube. So yeah. I vlog every aspect of my life and I share how I feel with my pregnancy. If I'm sad, I talk about it. So it's like I'm inviting them into my home. Mm. And I think now this new phase, they should know. So you're six months pregnant? Yeah, seven now. Seven months pregnant. How are you feeling about being, I guess, a single mother? Yeah, that was not in the plans for me. I keep saying like, you know, you can make all the plans you want to make. And that, that was me, right? I was such a control freak of like timelines and I want to be a mother by the time I'm 30 and I want to, it does not work. It's like you can plan all you want, but the outcome is out of your control. You have to know that you cannot control the outcome. So be okay with letting go of certain things that you have planned because it's mm. gonna like open you up to new experiences. And I think that's what I'm having to learn now to let go of that control of having my life a certain way. And I don't know what that's like. I have no idea how I'm gonna be. I never pictured my life without a partner, of course, because I've been like over a decade now with him. Um, but I guess I'm not afraid to be a single mom. I think my mom basically was a single mom, you yeah. can say that. Um, and all my friends and the girls I surround myself with, my best friends, they all come from broken families. So wow. somehow I've always attracted my friends from broken families and they become the best friends and they're the most stand-up women you can ever see with support and courage. And I feel like 
it's very rare to find someone who's had like a full family and so i mm. know that territory i know how it feels it's a very familiar feeling for me so i know i can do this but i was not prepared for this i have to like really start this journey from the beginning you know i'm 30 so i have to start everything from scratch as i'm speaking to you i just feel you're just so positive and you've learned so much and you feel so i don't know how to describe it almost just healed mm-hmm. and ready mm-hmm. and you've let go of all this resentment or stress yeah. and what you seem very relaxed you know <laughs> i would literally be like a mess if i was here to be like what is going on but it's so it's so amazing to see that because from what you've told me going through that prenatal depression how did you start to come out of it and get to where you are right now yeah i think again like i keep saying you know you can have your friends and family and your mom surrounding you trying to pull you out but if you don't want to get out you will not get out period like you can have the world trying to help you out of depression and out of the darkness whatever you're going through if you decide that you don't want to get out you're going to be stuck right for years um and i choose not to because again i am on a timeline i'm having this baby and i know what um brokenness comes from i know how that looks and i don't want to be that person the version i see of myself is a healed or healing uh, mother and who's constantly on the journey of self love who validates herself and i want my kid to see that i mm. want my kid to see my mom validates herself my mom chooses herself so my kid also has like the example of a role model that they need you know so i want to lead by example so i think when i was sitting on that couch in that dark abyss with dark thoughts and i still have dark thoughts in the night mm-hmm. my nights are very difficult okay cuz i have to go to bed alone right it's tough when you're pregnant but yeah. i have dark thoughts i cry all night i don't get sleep till today so the healing journey is on and i realize i have to get back to therapy so i am on therapy now trying to heal i want to heal my abandonment issues from my dad i want to heal this image i have of men in general i don't think that's a healthy viewpoint because yeah. i feel like i'm i feel like there was a lot of disappointment for from a lot of men in my family in general and i'm not able to like hold them up you know in a particular style i always choose women and i'm like my mom's there my friends there i always wow. trust more on women and i feel like you know you're going to leave eventually like i i think that comes from my like childhood from my dad i feel mm-hmm. like he's always left he's always stuck he's always so i have that image of like any guy would always do that to me which i don't want to live with that i yeah. don't i want to heal that part of myself and i'm aware of it so i had to and i still every day I go I journal I write a lot. I sit in color, I spend a lot of time with myself alone. Um and I won't say it's meditation because I don't think meditation's my thing, but I still sit without any digital um device around me and I just sit, I stare at the wall, I allow my thoughts to process negative, negative, positive, positive. I just allow to like breathe through and I think that having that alone time mm-hmm. is essential. I know you want to escape, you want to be distracted, you want to go for parties, this that rebounds, hold back. Yes. Heal, relax, you have the time. So I think spending all of that time alone crying alone, writing my feelings down 
has helped me process a lot i'm mm. i'm shocked i'm able to keep it together having going gone through so much in pregnancy a lot oh of people say they're like how have you kept i was like i don't know i think you find this new found courage because again you've hit rock bottom right. you have nowhere else to go what are you going to do do you want to be a person who is like sad this is not your life why do you want to choose a life of sadness but like saving yourself is so important i keep saying like a lot of our moms a lot of women like always feel dejected mm-hmm. and they keep themselves there because it's addictive they only know a familiar spot of pain and sadness their entire life um the society's conditioning that women are supposed to be the way they are we don't know another life so choosing ourselves choosing to save ourselves going on this healing journey mm. is a very strange feeling but it is a feeling you have to choose actively intentionally you have to prepare like this is going to be your life you cannot sit in that darkness girl it's going to really really get you down and you can be there for years mm-hmm. do you want that life nobody wants that life it's so true Spending time alone is so important. Mm-hmm. And often I always say when you spend time alone that's where you find all the answers, yes. right? Because there's so much noise from everyone else. Your friends will tell you one thing, your mum will tell you another thing, your brother will tell you another thing. Everyone has a different opinion, yeah. but only you know the real answer. Yes. Now in the UK, it's still in my community that I'm in. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who split, there's still a little bit of a taboo. Okay. Not not in the sense of, oh, you know, it's so terrible, mm-hmm. but people think twice because yep. what will other people say yes. is a huge it's, factor mm, is it the same in mumbai i think it's the same in india in general like i feel like lokya uh, kahenge is a very common saying mm-hmm. and look i think even our parents like lived and still live with that title lokya kahenge protect let's not tell anyone about this let's not like yeah. do this let's not do and whenever society tells me something or i've heard it i make sure i go the opposite way i'm like you said this now you wait like now I, i'm going to tell everyone <laughs> <laughs> so i oh my god like societal conditioning on like just how you're supposed to live how you're supposed to be they dictate your entire move and how marriage is supposed to look like how motherhood is supposed to look like and i'm like this is where you break the barriers this generation after our moms this is where it begins right we get to change the way our generation looks mm-hmm. right moving forward and that again comes from very active rebellious behavior i feel like even today when our parents say something for example and i know it feels like we're supposed to obey them yes and like say yes to them but have the courage and bravery to take that step forward you are breaking the cycle mm-hmm. and you have to know that it's okay to disappoint people it's okay to displease your parents i am saying that it's controversial but it is okay to say no firstly mm-hmm. women cannot say no for some reason but actually disappointing your parents is okay for some time they love you they will come back to you you're their child but if you don't change the course of your life today it's going to have like drastic measures for your kid and your kid and moving forward and the cycle never breaks because log kya kahenge let them speak they will continue to speak you get to live your life right no one else is living for you they don't pay your bills <laughs> nobody's paying your bills mm-hmm. so you pay your own bills you wake up in the, every day with your own body and your own soul you want to make sure that you are living absolutely authentically to who you are 
because it can be soul crushing to be someone else every day of your life and yeah. put on a facade just for your parents so i feel like every job you take every partner you're with do it because you want to do it and be okay with disappointing people i think that is a very difficult thing for people to actually accept and move on so i was absolutely okay with that i think it takes a lot of courage to say that hey i'm having a baby but i'm also splitting up mm. you know they would say stay together for the kid they right. would say like give it time stay together and you know what who knows what the future looks like yes i'm i've stopped planning that clearly but it's like if i want to do it i'm going to do it for myself and not just because baby is coming you know stay there. our parents did that na bachche ke liye saath mein raho like it's a very common thing like yes. let's stay together till the end of time even though we're unhappy yeah just because we have a baby or just because that's what marriage looks like but no i think co-parenting individually being happy parents is so much more better than two unhappy people staying together I'm making the child unhappy by both of you being unhappy too. Yeah, and I don't think they should see that. I think they should see like two people who are happy. Mm. You know, no matter how that looks like. Again, you box everything like this so is how right. it's supposed to look like. And I always thought like that's how it's supposed to look like and I'm unlearning it every day like it's okay to raise a child single-handedly. It's mm. okay to have like support around you and they will learn a better way, you know. It's fine as long as you regulate them every day and teach them the ways you know you're going to be okay i have to tell that to myself every time <laughs> i think you're going to be the best mom i think you're literally going to be so great do you know if it's a boy or girl yeah no you don't know you left it as a surprise surprise you're not planning anything anymore right so <laughs> this is like i'm not even going to plan just in case that changes yeah there are a lot of girls who are watching this who are thinking okay You've always been this confident. Yeah. But you've probably been through moments where you didn't feel so confident or you felt insecure about something. Yeah. What advice would you give them? Again, like it stems from literally being who you are. And I keep saying that because I feel like I don't know if I could be this confident if I was putting on a facade. Like I don't know how to portray someone else mm-hmm. and then be so confident because then I'd have to and then that mask gets stuck on you for a really long time and then you know you kind of like I don't know who I am and your relationships fail mm-hmm. you you have troubles with your parents your friendships go awry so I just feel like sticking to who you are and literally accepting your flaws accepting that hey this is my dark side yeah. these are my shadows and am I willing to work on them am I willing to heal am I willing to be a better version of myself tomorrow I think that is the only way you can gain humility and confidence in who you are so again don't try to be mars don't try to be shivani don't try to be someone else you know so um there's always an audience for everybody if you're trying to so true be a content creator or anything but i just feel like show up authentically every day and eventually you're just going to be so comfortable in your skin that you don't know any other way to be so today i just don't know any other way to be so i'm that's just so like true. that's why i'm like confident because i know who i am and working on it every day it takes work So I can't say like I'm up and like you know I'm all healed and good to go. Yeah. I feel like it takes a lot of heart breaks, a lot of like painful work that you have to put yourself through. Mm. And I think many people are lazy about that. They don't want to put this is just who I am. Yeah. They just this is just who I am. Yeah. I have anger issues but that's just who I am. That is not who you are. Figure out who you are, discover it. People are not born broken. Mm. They're not born 
with depression, they're not born with a lot of these things, we eventually, the environmental factors and how we're loved growing up starts to affect us as an adult. So I feel like if you just start to identify that, hey, yeah, I do get triggered, I am an angry person, I have rage, I am constantly depressed, why mm. are you going there? Yeah. Get to the root of it, start your healing journey, and it takes work, so put in the hours. Like, I feel like nobody wants to put in the hours and they expect to just be healed and have fruitful relationships. Two broken people cannot be together. Mm. You have to be like a whole person, fully healed and consistently healing. And I feel like when that comes into the picture, everything else starts to look differently. You've talked about personal responsibility the whole time through this podcast, yeah. right? You've said it. It's your responsibility. You change. You notice Absolutely. it. And people don't want to do that because it's, it's on them. Yep. You know, everything, everyone wants everything to be handed to you. And it's so funny you say around authenticity because when I started this podcast, I would ask, you know, tell me about your journey. How did you get your followers? I was never so confident because... I didn't want to be who I really was in terms of always being very, I'm very expressive, I'm yeah. very talkative. And it was only when I started doing the video podcast that naturally it came out because you could see my expression, you could see my, like how I was talking. And I sometimes cringe when I watch my videos, yeah. but they are always the ones that do the best. Yes. Because I'm like looking like this or I'm like speaking like that. And people relate to it, yeah. but I can't control it. That's just who I am. And yeah. I've accepted now that actually people love that authenticity. Yes. Because when I was doing the podcast over Zoom, you can't really have such a powerful conversation, mm -hmm. right? And I was always a bit scared to say difficult questions or if someone would say something to me, I would just smile and nod. And now yeah. I'm like, wait, what? Or like, huh? That's the best. And now it's so funny because you're right. There's an audience for everyone. Yes. And that's how you'll grow yeah. is by being you. Yeah. Instead of being like someone else or someone else because you think that they're nice or sweet or yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. It's so true. It's so powerful. I have honestly had the best time talking to you. I feel like we're going to be friends now for I ages. <laughs> so we'll have to do a part two when you come to Absolutely. London. Absolutely. So much more to share. <laughs> I have like so much to share eventually. I think the part two also now, who knows when you come back, I'll be a mm -hmm. mom and then I'll have so many more experiences to it's share. It's so true. You. It's so true. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being part of my Mumbai series. Absolutely. I will see you soon. Thank you so much. Everyone, and thank you so much for listening and watching this podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, if you could please press the follow, like and subscribe button, it would really mean the world to me.